0: Hello, everyone. Hello, Simon. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm very well. And thank you for joining us, everybody, listening to Factorily. Factorily.
1: Hello to all of our wonderful listeners.
0: And we are um, voiceovers. We are. We use our voices to do all sorts of things, don't we, Simon?
1: Oh, you've been doing another serious corporate read, haven't you? I've been doing
0: another serious corporate (laughs) read for a museum.
1: Excellent. That's... uh, (laughs) The strangest thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth, Bruce. I know. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, I rather imagine that your voiceover career is, is full of sensible and slightly suave material.
0: Trustworthy. Indeed, yes. that that lovely word, warm. Warm. <laughs> that, that, I don't know. Do you know of any voiceovers that don't have a warm voice?
1: I think we can probably all put them on. I'd hate to see someone whose resume
0: says cold, cold voice. <laughs> cold and uncaring. <laughs> Marvellous. Anyway, so talking of cold and uncaring <laughs> We're now, today we're going to talk about a subject which takes cold hard facts very seriously.
1: Oh, very seriously indeed, and
0: yes. Freezes them in time.
1: And prints them out on a piece of paper to be looked at. Or glass. Or glass. Or digital representation. Exactly.
0: What are Can we talking you about, guess Simon? what we're
1: talking about today, boys and girls? <laughs> um, today, on this wonderful episode of Factorally, we're going to be talking about photography.
0: I don't know that much about photography. I know a bit, but I imagine Simon has me beat on this one.
1: The oldest surviving photo that we know of was taken in 1826 by a French inventor called Joseph Niepce, uh, who called this thing a heliograph rather than a photograph. He had a sheet light, of... yeah. Helio, yes, exactly, yes. yeah. Yes. So he had a sheet of pewter um, coated with light-sensitive bitumen placed inside a camera obscura. Is bitumen
0: um, light-sensitive?
1: This particular bitumen was. Okay. Generally speaking, it isn't. This particular so, variety... So you,
0: that's why you don't get sort of roads all lit up with the sort of asphalt on them. That would be so
1: cool, wouldn't
0: it? <laughs> 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 well, technically, I guess, what you, you could actually have roads with pictures on them if bitumen is light-sensitive.
1: Yeah, you could. You could... It could be like the new speed camera. The, okay. the road itself would take photos of the cars Listeners, if you
0: if you're hearing this, this idea is copyright, uh, yes. Simon and Bruce.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so unless your name's a Simon and Bruce, you can't have it. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, so this this heliograph taken by Joseph Niepce in 1826 was a, a, a picture of the surrounding area where he lived in France. It was a scene of, of buildings and trees. And it was very fuzzy and it was very vague. Um, but essentially, the light-sensitive bitumen hardened more whether the light shone brightest. Okay. And then he scraped off the bits that hadn't hardened, and that's how you so sort a bit of ended like up with this etch- picture. So
0: a bit like more of a kind of like an etching way, where you kind of like expose bit, yeah. and, then, and then rinse off.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so like that, yeah. Um, and of course, everything was inverted because the, the, the bitumen hardened where the light was brightest, and so you ended up with this negative image, which is why we have... Negatives.
0: Uh, Talking of uh, Joseph Nicephore Niepice. That's a lot better than the
1: way I pronounced it.
0: Um, Yeah. He's actually better known for other inventions. Such as? Propellers and boats. Ah. So he he also invented the first internal combustion engine called the Pierre Ruffort with his brother in 1807.
1: Really? Yeah. So yeah, so that that's sort of how the the first heliograph worked. But it it carried on developing. So the, the the bitumen is light sensitive. You get the image, but then when you try to show the image to your friends in the daylight, it carries on absorbing, <laughs> and and therefore the image is eventually erased. So
0: you have to go. You have to go like, hey, would you like to come into a dark room and see some pictures I've got?
1: Yeah, precisely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um does that sound dodgy. And that is why we have dark rooms you know in 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 photography we have dark rooms so that the 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 images don't get flooded with light and they they have a red light in the dark room which is enough for you to be able to see what you're doing but without washing out the 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 picture
0: so yeah so you go into a dark room and you develop um the 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 film and then you Mm -hmm. then you print it yeah what you use is, is is two chemicals. You use one to develop the picture, mm-hmm. and then you need to stop that chemical process from happening, which is called the fix. Yes. So you put it in. You put it into a bath of fixative. Yes. Which stops it from going any further. A friend of mine um, has a uh, lives in Barbados. It's hard to get photographic chemicals and stuff in Barbados, so he has it shipped from the UK. Oh, ship! Thank goodness for that. Um, but um, it's expensive to ship it um, diluted. Into right. a, into a liquid, and it's also, I think, illegal to to ship liquid um, fixative right. in um, in that form. So he basically has his fix shipped as a powder. Oh, I see. And it, he once had a, had a um, one come through, and it got stopped by customs, and mm. they asked him to come in to collect it, and he said fine. And uh, they were going through some parcels, and um, they came across this this bag full of white powder, <laughs> and and Luke said, "Oh, that's my fix."
1: <laughs> I mean that's not going to get you out of trouble that, is it?
0: That's not going to help really <laughs> is it? He had to explain a lot before he managed to get his fixative uh, out of customs in Barbados so, so apart from using fixative and stuff mm. like that um, you can also develop your negatives it, of, you, you can use all the chemicals that you want as well. Mm. There is a um, a thing called caffanol is there caffanol is basically coffee vitamin c and washing soda right and you can use that to develop your black and white negatives basically you can develop your film in coffee well wow.
1: <laughs> that's quite cool
0: so basically the coffee and the vitamin c uh, form the developer right and then the washing soda adds an alkalinity so that develops the the images you can actually look up uh, caffeineol concoction. I'll, I'll put a recipe for uh, caffeineol concoction uh, on the um, on the website,
1: Cookery with Bruce. So then, a little later on in the 1800s, we have a, an English fella called Henry Fox Talbot um, around the the middle of the 19th century. Um, so Henry Fox Talbot took this this idea of, of, of the negative, you know the, the, the light has come in and, and made the image stick fast where it's brighter and yeah. less so where it's dimmer. He then took another light, shone through the translucent negative onto a piece of paper that was treated with a mixture of salt and silver nitrate mm-hmm. and tada! that's the one of the earliest permanent paper-based photographs that we that we get
0: very good i imagine it took quite a long time to expose this this photograph
1: they this particular one i don't know the one in 19 in the one in 1826 uh the french chap his he he left his camera open for somewhere between eight and 12 hours wow to make it work um which is quite a long exposure time can you imagine sitting and posing for a photo for that long
0: what this is something that I discovered, which I didn't realise. Like sitting sitting for a photo for for a very long time in early mm. photography of of, of people, mm. was that um, you know you obviously have to be very still and hold your breath. And yes. the best people who can hold very still and not breathe are dead. Sure. So the I've best people to take photographs him. of are dead people. Okay. So what you do is you get a dead person, you dress him all up and you make him look as though he's alive and then you just leave the camera exposed and it's a perfect picture. Huh. Dead people were the first people to be properly photographed sharp, pin sharp.
1: Well, that's a twist that I wasn't (laughs) expecting us to take.
0: (laughs) So if you have a dead relative and the camera... (laughs) I think at this point we do have to mention the French... Okay then. Because there's a chap called Louis Daguerre, isn't there?
1: There is a chap called Louis Daguerre.
0: With his daguerreotypes.
1: Talk about the daguerreotypes.
0: (laughs) um, Well, you probably know an awful lot more about daguerreotypes than I do. I do know that in 1928, um, he took a photograph that captured a person. We're talking about the the photographs of people. Hmm. And it was accidental. He took a picture which the exposure lasted about seven minutes. Hmm. And it was a photograph of the Boulevard du Temple in Paris. Right. And there was a man in the photo who was standing in the street getting his shoes polished, so he's pretty still. Right, okay, yeah. And you can actually see this chap having his shoes polished in this picture from nineteen twenty eight. Oh. So yeah, he so he invented a thing called the daguerreotype process. And the entire process from start to finish was really, really complicated. But without it, we wouldn't be where we are today. It was the first image-capturing actual device that, that, that captured a, an image.
1: Right, OK. And
0: it was made by, uh, by a French manufacturer called uh, sous frères Sous Brothers, right. in 1839. Uh, and it, and um, there was one came up for auction in 2007. Can you guess what it sold for?
1: Oh, um... A million pounds,
0: very close. Eight hundred thousand dollars, really, for an old camera.
1: Crikey, I was incredibly exaggerating my estimate there. That's—I was expecting it to be a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, an expensive. But it
0: is—it is, it it is an iconic thing, you know. It's the thing yeah. that really started the process off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, how interesting. You said that was eighteen uh, thirty-nine. Yes, that's the year that the, the. Well, allegedly, that's the year that the word photograph was first coined. Um, The word photograph is a a portmanteau of two Greek words, photo meaning light, graph meaning drawing. And um, allegedly British scientist John Herschel was the first chap to use the word photograph in Ah. in 1839. We've been using metal plates, we've been using light transferred onto paper through various different means up until this point. It's uh, only in the the early part of the 20th century, we start getting camera film. So uh, somewhere between 1905-1910 uh, is the first roll of 35 millimeter film to be produced. Yeah, And this is you know, sort of a celluloid, plasticky substance coated in some kind of light-sensitive material uh-huh. um, that gets rolled up in a film, put inside the camera, and the film gets moved on bit by bit by bit with each photo you take and therefore produces a whole load of
0: negative film. Yeah.
1: Large format is a thing so, which I yeah, don't so know much when, about.
0: So to to capture these pictures, originally you needed like sheets of basically it would be a sheet of film. Yeah. So, and you'd have that to a standard size. And what you'd do is you'd put that inside um, a slide. I mean, right. they were called slide because you actually um, had a had a sliding piece of metal or wood I see. that that went in cro- across in front of the film. So, first of all, you'd have the hood over your head, the yes. traditional thing with a, right. with a bloke with hold, holding a flash thing up yes. and with a hood over his head, and you would check the picture with a, with a glass slide. Okay. So you would see the image projected from the lens on a glass slide, upside down. Of so photographers had to be really, really good at looking at things upside down. Yeah. Then you take the glass slide out and you put the film slide in, oh, I which see. had the the protect it had protective sheets over the yes. over the film. Yes. Once it was in the camera in a light proof sit- situation, um, you'd close the shutter on your on your lens yeah then you take the the slide out to expose the film inside this like 10 inch by 8 inch thing yeah and then you would um click a button which would open the shutter for a certain you know a period Mm -hmm. of time which could be quite quick or quite long depending and then you would close the shutter again put the slide back in to cover the film Mm. and then you could take that slide out of the camera and then send it off for developing and sometimes they were double-sided as well, so you'd have, like, two to each to okay. each, each frame. They were actually right. called frames because they were made from a frame, like a wooden frame. Yes, of course. So yeah, when you talk sense. about the framing and the frame of, of, a, of a picture, yeah. that's why you call it a frame.
1: That's brilliant. So this, uh, yeah, so this phenomenon of phenomenon, so this process da, 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 da. Phenomenon.
0: <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> you can say it again, I'll keep oh, saying it.
1: <laughs> fine.
0: It's right, I'll stop now.
1: So this idea of using <laughs> film, um, this, uh, this came about in uh, surprisingly early, actually. This was in 1885 okay. was the, the first use of film. Um, and this was created by an American gentleman called George Eastman. Um, and he, he basically set up Kodak, Oh. Uh, the film company, the camera film now they're company. they're
0: responsible for so much stuff, aren't they?
1: Yeah. They really a, there's expensive. a
0: useless fact about Kodak?
1: About is Kodak, there rather? Yeah. I love useless facts. Well,
0: you know how lots of brand names are like named after people or things or or like Latin for something. Yes. Uh, Kodak isn't.
1: Okay. What is Kodak named after then?
0: He like Eastman like the like the letter K. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he thought I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a, with a company that starts with the letter K and I'm just going to make this name maybe two K's one two K's got to be better than one <laughs> so, he, so he basically came and said co co so yeah so it starts and finishes with a K
1: so and it's purely, just a name that
0: he made up on the spot
1: just because it sounded good just and he, he thought it would catch K's. on that's fantastic
0: isn't that good that's a great fact Kodak mm.
1: it's a Kodak moment yes <laughs> wow um and so then George Eastman having developed Kodak uh, he started producing cameras on a, on a larger scale um and uh, he he sold this camera that had a uh, a series of film inside it you could um you could take around 100 photos on the film inside this camera you had to send the entire camera Sorry, back 100? to the factory 100 photos yeah wow yeah I haven't found a photo of this. I don't know if this is a roll of film or if it's a, you know, a number of sheets inside, but you could take up to 100 photos Goodness. on this this pre-sealed camera. You'd send the whole camera back to the factory to have them print the photos and then post them to you.
0: So this is a bit like those cardboard um cameras that you used to buy that they they probably don't sell anymore. Like <laughs> for a night out and you would oh. like buy the camera. Yeah. And you take the pictures and then you send the whole camera off.
1: Yes. 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 I, remember, I remember seeing something like that at a wedding a number of years ago. Every table just had this little yes. cheap throwaway disposable camera for you to capture the moments on. And then, I, I didn't realise this until I started this research, but it was actually then Kodak who um, created the first digital camera.
0: A chap called Stephen Sassoon?
1: Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, I don't so know I come across that. It name. was
0: 1975. Very good. It's, it's this huge, great thing that looks like a, um, I guess about the size of a small suitcase. Yes. And it's the world's first digital camera.
1: That's it. That's um, the one. Yes. I've got, um,
0: I have a picture of it. I'll put it. I'll tell you what, if you go to factorially.com and you look at the blog in the show notes, you'll see a picture of Stephen Sassoon actually holding up the world's first digital camera.
1: factorially.com was that?
0: Uh, I think I said com. with. Oh, o- sorry. It's F A C T O R A L Y.
1: Oh, factorally. I was yes. thinking factorally.
0: Right. No, no, it's factorally.
1: <laughs> Fine. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, and this this wonderful machine that you've just described took 16 AA batteries to operate <sighs> and it weighed three and a half kilos.
0: So, portable ish.
1: Portable ish. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the camera contained. Um, Pixels. This was sort of the first use of, of pixels, which are little electronic photosensitive devices that, that, trans, that sort of translate the capture of light into a, a digital signal, which then makes a digital picture. Yes. How, uh, many,
0: how many pixels did it take this, this this first digital camera?
1: This thing had a sensor that had one hundred by one hundred pixels.
0: So, zero so point zero one megapixel.
1: Yeah, it's not a lot. <laughs> It's not a lot by today's standards, you have to admit.
0: What we call (laughs) low-res.
1: Very much so. Very much low-res, yes. Um, Given the fact that I've got a, a phone on the table next to me, which has multiple cameras built into it, the smallest of which I think is about 32 megapixels, and this thing was... What did you say, 10 kilopixels or something Yeah, it's,
0: it's not 0.01 megapixels. Yet. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's no. not a lot.
1: But still, I was surprised to, to find that that was all the way back in 1975. I didn't think digital photography had come about until much later than that.
0: there so something even more interesting than that. Go on. It recorded the picture on cassette. On cassette? On a cassette. I remember Well, you know cassettes. how computer programs used to come on cassettes? Yes, Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so basically a cassette is just a way of digitally recording something.
1: Sure, yeah. So
0: it yeah. had like a, a normal like music cassette was the way that it actually recorded the picture.
1: That's brilliant. I wonder what they did in order to view it. You can't just put that in a tape player, can I you? I imagine you...
0: Well, some of the old cameras, you could actually view the picture that you took through the camera itself, couldn't you? So you'd right. actually you, you'd convert the camera to put a light source so that it shone through the, the transparency of the film through the lens oh. and then projected it you could use a camera you could well you can use a projector as a camera and a and a camera as a projector <laughs> so we, we, we've 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 come a long way from the film camera to the digital yeah. camera um but we haven't talked about um, black and white and color and things like that.
1: Oh no, you're right. We haven't. Well, We've skipped right past that.
0: Because I think the fir- the first color photograph was was a lot longer ago than you think. It was about I think 1861. There was a chap called uh, Thomas Sutton, right, who worked out a way of separating the the spectrum into red, green, and blue. Uh huh. And then what he would do is he would project these onto photosensitive plate with the corresponding filters, and and he was a really brilliant um, inventor. Apparently in eighteen sixty one he also created the first SLR camera. Really? So the first single lens reflex, which basically means one rather than having two lenses, one which you look through. So I had an old uh oh, what was it? A RODICord. Okay. And the Rollicord had two lenses on it. It had a lens above, which was the lens that you saw the picture through, mm-hmm. through a series of mirrors. Mm-hmm. And then the lens below, which was the lens that actually took the photograph.
1: Okay, right. Right.
0: But this guy invented the single lens reflex, which has a mirror inside it, which flips up. Yes. So you can look at the picture through a mirror, or it's a series of two mirrors. Yeah. And then, or three, actually, wouldn't it be? Because you'd have to turn it upside down. Anyway, some mirrors. Some mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so that, so when you went to take the picture, this this mirror would flip up to allow the picture to go straight onto the um, onto the film.
1: Fantastic. Huh.
0: He also developed a a wide-angle lens in in
1: 1859. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's so much longer ago than
0: I would have imagined. Very clever man. brilliant. Do you know anything about flash photography? Uh,
1: I I, I know that I have used a flash in photography. Uh, I don't know much about it. Was it dangerous? Depends how closely you look to the flash.
0: (laughs) Could, could it explode?
1: <laughs> I, I think you know something that you're not telling us. <laughs>
0: well, I, like, it is one of the most dangerous things about early photography, which is basically a photographer who wanted a, who didn't have enough light to take a picture in natural light yeah. had to create unnatural light. Makes sense. And um, so you didn't need much of it. You just needed like a, a flash of light. Okay. Hence the flash. Hence flash. Yeah. Um, oh. and so what photographers would do is um, they would mix uh, potassium chloride and aluminium okay which is very very volatile (laughs) right (laughs) so what they would do is they would put it on a a bar yes uh with a usually an electric spark in the middle of it that they could trigger by hand so they would they would hold this thing as far from them as they could possibly get it. So would usually right. put it on a on a pole of some sort. A fairly short pole, but nevertheless, you need, you need to get it away from your yes. person. And then hold it up and you needed to time it so that you clicked with your click the flash so that the spark would ignite the potassium chloride and aluminium. But that would always take like a fraction of a second of before that happened. So in that fraction of a second, you'd have to wait and then, like, uh, open the shutter Crikey. on your camera for when that flash was at its height, and then shut it so again it's like a almost click. instantly. It's like a click, click. In that sort of way,
1: it's no wonder you had professional photographers who who went around from house to house, event to event, doing this for you. Is it? It uh, yes, sounds well, like quite then, a process. Yes. Then
0: then they had these. Um, I don't know if you remember flash bulbs. Oh, yes, of course. So flashbulbs used to pop and, and they, yeah. were, they, they were really heavy and sometimes they would explode too because they, they put out an enormous amount of light very yes. quickly. Um, and one, they were one use only. So they would yeah. basically burn themselves out the, the, the first time you used them. Yeah. And I remember sort of being at things where there used to be a button on the back of your um, flash that you pressed and the, and the flashbulb would pop out and just fall on the floor. Oh, Right. And if there was a lot of photographers, you'd have just have a floor yeah. full of, um, of flash, bulbs I
1: can pic- flash bulbs. I can picture this from various movies, sort of set in the nineteen twenties, the press gathering around a, a glamorous movie star, and all of these explosions and pops and pings and smashes going on.
0: Yes. And we talked about digital photography and mm. you talked about your phone
1: oh yes of course yeah
0: so i mean people these days take an awful lot of pictures don't they
1: they do yes it's it's odd isn't it it's we've sort of come from a place where you know people would stop in the street and take a look at this person with a camera and it would be a huge event and it would be a monumental thing you'd gather your entire family around to have your one annual photograph yes. taken with your family um And now we're in a position where every single meal, every single sandwich, every single cup of coffee (laughs) you've ever drunk gets photographed and shared on social media.
0: I know. I remember somebody saying once that uh, the the average roll of film has Christmas at either end and a holiday in the middle.
1: Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right.
0: Yeah. 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 But uh, nowadays, as you say, any any excuse... You see something in the street you find mildly amusing that you want yeah. to you, you think your friends and acquaintances will also find mildly amusing yeah. to Take a photograph of it when you had to pay to have a a of film developed and printed yeah there was a there was a kind of like a value to photography so yes a, a quite literal value yes so you looked at something and go, is it worth me taking a picture of that or not
1: yes yes when you've got a roll of only <laughs> they used to come 20, in 20 24s, 24s or 36s yeah that's yeah. right um Yes, and you, you sort of sent your film off to the local chemist and waited a handful of days to pick it up again and you were really disappointed if one was slightly overexposed or underexposed because that's... Kind, that's so
0: and there, there were a whole load of, of shops that were set up just to do this, just I mean, you know things like Snappy Snaps. Snappy and, Snaps, and, yeah. And I mean, yeah. some of them are still going. Yeah. There used to be a wonderful... There's a lovely story about a Snappy Snaps in, in Hampstead. Okay. Which is on a corner going down Haverstock Hill like they live around there. And a very, very stoned George Michael (laughs) in a Range Rover. Right. And the very, very stoned George Michael uh, drove straight into the wall outside the Snappy Snaps, damaging the wall quite severely. Yeah. And within 24 hours, there was graffiti on that wall. And do you know what that wall said? Wham.
1: Oh, of course it did. (laughs) Of course it said wham. Wham. I was trying to think of all sorts of witty things, but of course
0: it said wham. But nowadays people take, take digital photographs. Do you know how many digital photographs people take? No, I don't. I, I have a feeling that it's about, a, it's about 100 million photos a day on Instagram.
1: Goodness me.
0: And it's about 300 million photos every day onto Facebook. Three hundred million. I think every ten minutes there are more photographs taken than were taken in the entire twentieth century.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, that makes you think, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. How much? How much of that? It's just a waste of digits, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can also have a large collection of cameras as well, can't you? And there's there's mm. there's, a, there's a chap called. Did you read about Dillish Parek? No, I did not. So Dilish Parekh is a photojournalist from Mumbai in India. Right. And he reckons he owns about four and a half thousand cameras. What? So it makes your collection of cameras look a bit like modest. Well I've
1: only got three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He's he's quite quite something. I I don't know whether he actually is any good at <laughs> taking photographs. But he does. I mean,
1: with that that many cameras, you'd like to think he's had a bit of experience, wouldn't you?
0: Of course, we're talking about sending photographs off to be developed. Yeah, you didn't always have to do that, did you?
1: Um, Not if you had your own private dark
0: room, I suppose. No, or a Polaroid. Oh, of course. So there was a camera manufacturer called Polaroid, Mm. and um, they get that—you know—they're basically famous for the instant, instant camera, instant film. And um, in fact, the, the the first Polaroid cameras um, were um, autofocus. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. So they were so they were amazing. Mm. And what they did was they they had like a, I mean, a a chemical inside that would that would develop an exposed um, image mm. that gave you an immediate uh, picture. That's right. And it was like it, the the noise of a Polaroid is, is just is, I'll see if I can put it in, but it's like a click whirr noise, and it's 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 an absolutely you can recognise the noise if if you know what. Can you
1: give us an impression like. of it? Uh, That's perfect, <laughs> absolutely spot on.
0: And and here is what it actually sounds like.
1: I preferred yours. I think
0: yours, yours was better,
1: <laughs> more guttural.
0: Pictures that are taken from the air. Yes, I'm sure you could. And and the fir- the first guess what nationality the first aerial photographer was British.
1: No, uh, course, the other I'm one American.
0: No, there's the an, other one. There's
1: another other one
0: French. Yeah, of course. There's uh. so an inventor called Gaspar Felix Tournachon.
1: You know you're very good at your French pronunciations.
0: Thank you very much. You should be a voiceover artist. I should try that, shouldn't I? <laughs> but he 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 went up in a balloon. Mm-hmm. In uh, 1858, above Paris, right, um, and he, 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 apart from his name of, I shall say it again, Gaspard Félix Tournachon, he was also known as Nadar, and he was he was actually a balloonist, hmm. and he took his camera on right. a trip, and he took pictures, um, but they don't exist anymore. But we know that he did, right? Okay. Uh, but another Frenchman took took pictures from from above the above the earth, uh, called Artus uh, Petron, Right. And uh, he had a a coffee table book called uh, The Earth from the Air, or La, La Terre vue du ciel. OK. And um, I was actually part of the exhibition that um, that exhibited those pictures.
1: Right. right. Now, I know exactly what you're talking about, because I've seen that exhibition.
0: Have you? Outside the Natural History Museum?
1: I, I've seen it outside the Natural History. I've seen it in Waterloo. I've seen it on the South Bank.
0: Oh, fantastic. It moved I see, and it went all around the world as well. So that's yeah. brilliant. And did, you, did you buy lots of merch? Because that, that's what we really wanted people to
1: do. Uh, I bought the book. Yeah, I bought the oh, book. Oh, there you
0: go. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So, that. Hank, your this
1: just, the universe astounds me sometimes. So this is X number of years before you and I have ever even met. I have yes. seen an exhibition that you curated and bought a book that you helped to publish.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't actually curate the exhibition. But yes, yeah, I, I was part of the management team that, that put it on.
1: Fantastic,
0: but you know that 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 toured around a lot, but it wasn't um, it wasn't the most popular picture, wasn't it? What uh, was the most popular? Can you guess what the most viewed photograph in history is? I be, bet you've seen it. So you everybody, know. everybody listening to this show has seen this picture. It's that popular.
1: I'm impressed that you got this because I really wanted to find out. The answer to this question. So I went researching some of the most popular photos in the world, and I couldn't find a definitive answer.
0: Okay, it was taken by a guy called, believe it or not, Charles O'Rear. Okay. In 1996. Right. And it's a view of fields and a blue sky with clouds in it. Yeah. And it was the default wallpaper for Windows XP.
1: Oh, you're kidding me, Bruce.
0: So that picture of the, the sky in the field... Yeah, is the most pop is the most viewed photograph Ugh. in the world.
1: I kind of love slash hate that fact. That's really <laughs> depressing. So I looked at some of the most popular photos in the world, and you know we've got things like uh, the student standing in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square. We've got a photo of um, the the sailor kissing the lady on the street at the v, VJ Day celebrations in Times Square we've got that photo of uh, the the workers sitting on top of a a girder suspended at the top of a skyscraper we've got all these fantastic photos and the most seen photo in history is the desktop of Windows XP that's so depressing
0: (laughs) sorry about that
1: so the world's oldest surviving photograph was just a little thing he did on the side (laughs) yeah that's fantastic. I had a look at um the most photographed celebrities now, given the fact as you've said, you know you have however many millions of photos being posted on Facebook every single day yeah um, these figures have probably changed in the last five seconds that I've been talking, but at the point of conducting this this uh Google search. Uh, Number one most photographed person was Donald Trump. Oh, dear. With 463,574 photos taken of him. uh, Followed by Barack Obama, 336,823 photos taken. Followed by Queen Elizabeth II, 230,495 photos taken of her. And I don't really know how that makes me feel.
0: No, it makes me feel slightly dirty, I have to say. I have another fact about cameras. Oh, go on. So, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but always a good way to start a story. <laughs> I heard that when Alan Shepard went up in uh, the Mercury spacecraft Freedom 7, hmm. um, he, without telling anybody, took a camera on board with him to take pictures out of the window. Oh, and so he had the very, very first pictures of the Earth from space.
1: Right, OK. Wow.
0: And when he got back, he sort of said, mm, I have to admit something. I've actually, I took a camera up with me and I took some pictures. And they went, we didn't allow for that in the, in the weight allocation. But yeah. OK, it wasn't very much. Developed the pictures, said, these are wonderful pictures. We have to develop a space camera. Yeah. And so they developed this camera. They spent a lot, I mean, a lot of money. An awful lot of money, yeah, on on the um, on getting this camera made. And one of the guys in charge of the project had had a prototype on his desk, right. And a friend of his uh, came for lunch one day, and went and sat in his office while the guy the guy sort of nipped out for a bit. And he saw this prototype. And he, when when his friend came back from wherever he was, he said, "Why have you got a Hasselblad on your on your desk?" Right. And he said, "I'm sorry." He said. That's a Hasselblad, isn't it? And what had happened was, is that the NASA scientists had looked at what would make the perfect camera for space. And they had basically reinvented this Hasselblad. Wow! So they scrapped the whole project. <laughs> and when Apollo 11 took off, they, they had 12 Hasselblad cameras. Yeah. <laughs> and they left them on the moon. Really? So there are actually Hasselblad cameras on the moon.
1: Oh, that's brilliant.
0: So they, they basically swapped them out because they, they decided they were too heavy. So they left them and they took 25 kilos of rock back. <laughs> and they did bring the film back with them, obviously. But You so would they hope, left
1: yeah. Cameras. yeah.
0: So there are cameras on the moon. Do
1: you know what? When you first started talking a while ago about um, the most seen image, I thought it was probably going to be that that photo of an astronaut putting the, the American oh, flag. Oh, what, the faked one? I can't say that. <laughs> You can't say that on this podcast,
0: Bruce. We don't know who's listening. No, I I should say here now that it wasn't faked.
1: You should. You really should.
0: Because the the Russians, if it had been faked, the Russians would have made a really big deal out of it. But they didn't.
1: Now, since we've um, just veered into the realms of scientific photography. I recently found out that a a gentleman at Caltech called Li Hong Wang, uh, who's a medical engineering and electrical engineering professor, he has developed a a camera to take photos of nuclear fusion and radioactive decay and all that sort of stuff. And this camera takes a staggering 70 trillion frames per
0: second. That's slow-mo. It's really, really slow-mo
1: really slow-mo isn't it um it uses lasers and all sorts of i did have quite an, an in-depth look at how this thing worked and i still don't still don't understand it <laughs> so i'm not going to go too far into it but 70 trillion frames per second i think my my canon 700
0: second. sorry 70 trillion frames per second. per second
1: wow Given how instantaneous a nuclear reaction is, if you're going to take slow-mo photos of that, it's got to take an awful lot of frames per second. Yeah. I think my Canon 700D SLR takes about um, 50 frames a second.
0: That's quite a lot, though. That's that sounds like a sort of like a whiz, and it? it goes. Zzzz. Yes, yes, yeah. it
1: is a whiz. I would imagine this thing is is inaudible, high pitched <laughs> whine,
0: or probably even beyond beyond the levels of ability to hear. I should
1: think so. There are probably probably dogs nearby going going nuts. <laughs> Goodness me, yeah,
0: that's yeah. crazy. And we haven't talked about things like you know the, the way they film the Matrix with that sort of bullet time thing as well. Oh which yeah, used used like a lot multiple. Uh, cameras
1: yeah absolutely um but that's
0: for another day
1: we probably haven't talked about um a lot of things actually it's well, one I'll of those
0: subjects well i'll tell you who could talk to us about them who's is that? the people who are listening to this podcast because they know probably a lot more about cameras and photography than we do
1: of course the factoralites
0: <laughs> oh that's a good one
1: that just came off the top of my head Shall we use, Shall that? We use
0: that one lights. the lights
1: Okay. factoralites!
0: <laughs> there you go, listeners. You have a theme the, tune. <laughs> they're like electrolytes, but but better for you. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh. Okay, so so the factoralites will uh, hopefully let us know what they think of the show. Yes, uh, they'll let, they'll like us. They'll subscribe. They'll tell their friends, all of their friends, not just the two. No, all, all of, of them. them. Yeah, four. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just tell everybody that this is an interesting thing to listen to. And also, you know, you get like one-star reviews, two-star reviews, three-star reviews. Yeah, we're rubbish. not interested in any of those reviews. No, we're not. We just want the full-on, full-fat, five-star review, please.
1: Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> we do. We
0: really actually no, seriously, we do because it, it helps enormously with getting our getting our rankings up on the podcast players and making sure that more people can enjoy the stuff that you that you enjoy.
1: So, on that note, um, we're all out of facts. You're all out of listening capacity. Uh, so, thank you all for listening. I've been Simon Wells,
0: and I haven't.
1: <laughs> that was snappy.
0: Ha, ha, ha,